Okay. All right. Well, good morning and welcome again. Uh, if you've got your Bible, like Tyler said, please turn to Ruth chapter 2. Hey, real quick, on the uh, member interest meeting, uh, an email went out this week. Uh, please sign up if you do intend to come so we can get a head count. If we don't have your email or you didn't get that link, uh, please fill out a, an info card and drop it in the offering box. That way we can make sure you get on the uh, email list. Okay, so we're uh, continuing this morning in Ruth chapter 2, and by way of recap, uh, last week we uh, were introduced to our main characters, at least who we thought were some of our main characters. Uh, you've got Elimelech, his wife Naomi, and his sons Malon and Chilion, who left Bethlehem to go to Moab because there was a famine in the land. And while there, the sons marry two Moabite women, uh, Ruth and Orpah, and uh, also, apparently interesting fact, uh, Oprah was supposed to be named after Orpah, but her mom misspelled her name. Who knew? I was told that last night. <laughs> Read your Bible carefully, people. All right. Uh, <laughs> so anyway, uh, so what we learn is when Elimelech dies and then Naomi's two sons die, uh, there's no heir. So although initially we understand that the family is in danger of starving physically, uh, now we understand that the family is in danger of starving as a line, as a, as a, as a family. They're in danger of dying off. And Naomi hears that, they're, that the Lord has visited the people back home and is providing a crop of food. And so she gets ready to go. And, and Naomi hears, uh, I mean, as she, tries, as she goes, she tries to convince uh, Naomi and Orpah to, to go back, to go back to Moab, to go to their families. Uh, to, to, so there's no way that she can provide for them. Uh, and so she has, no more, she has no more children, no more means of provision. And so she says, go back where you can still be cared for by your parents uh, or, or until the time you found a new husband that they can provide for you. And so Orpah does go. Orpah does go back to Moab, but Ruth stays with Naomi. And again, there was nothing wrong with what Orpah did. She, she didn't sin by leaving Naomi. But, uh, and in fact, I would say in the world's eyes, it was a, a wise decision. Right? It, it was actually a wise decision to go back. Right? But, but, but Ruth, clinging to Naomi, gave, give, potentially giving up any promise of, of, of a secure future which comes from a husband and, and children to care for. No, rather, Ruth was telling Naomi, I'm going with you and sticking with you no matter what. Right? what, what your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. And so then they do. They go back to Jerusalem. And quickly, Naomi tells those around her, you know, they say, is this Naomi, which means pleasant, probably, uh, something like pleasant. And she says, don't call me pleasant. Call me bitter. Call me Mara, right? I left full. I had my family. I returned empty-handed because the Lord's hand is against me. Now I have nothing. But if we remember just the, the very end of the, the chapter one, we have that glimmer of hope that they returned at the beginning of the, the barley harvest, right? And, th and that brings us back to this word that we talked about last week, this, this Hebrew word, hesed. If you weren't with us last week, uh, we talked, if there was one theme that we're going to talk about that runs through the entire book of Ruth, it is this, it revolves around this Hebrew word hesed, which has no English equivalent, right? But you'll often see it translated as kindness or loving kindness. But hesed is so much more than that. Hesed is that one way, that stubborn love that is motivated and carried out by our commitment to a, a vow or a promise that we have made to a person. It's not motivated by how we feel about them or how they treat us in return. Okay, we love because of our commitment. As Christians, we love as our commitment to God, right? We, we, we love God and we love others and we're obeying God and our commitment to Him because of His commitment to us. 
And we're committed to that, not the person. And so this morning, I, I actually want to expand on, expand on this a little bit, get more and more in the weeds a little bit on, on Hesed and understand what it looks like and what it does. And I want to talk about three uh, attributes, as it were, attributes of Hesed. So this morning, we're going to carry on in our story, and as we do, we'll, we'll discuss these attributes. Because remember, this is how God loves His people. Uh, Tyler read Psalm 103 this morning which multiple times it talked about the steadfast love of the Lord. The steadfast love of the Lord. Well, this is hesed. Every time that word is used, it's hesed. This is how God loves us. And so we want to commit to loving this way as well. So let's get into it this morning. Uh, Ruth 2, uh, starting verse 1. Now Naomi had a relative of her husband's, a worthy man of the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. So right out of the gate, I want to see how strange uh, this is for this sentence to be here. Right? I want us to remember something. The divisions in chapter, uh, chapter and verses uh, in, in, in Scripture are not inspired by the Lord. Uh, they were added much later. But if, and if we remember at the end of chapter 1, what did it say? It said, Now Naomi returned, and Ruth the Moabite, her daughter-in-law, with her, who returned from the country of Moab, and they came to Bethlehem at the beginning of the barley harvest. And then in the Hebrew Scripture, it would have gone immediately to... Now, Naomi had a relative of her husband's, a worthy man of the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. And then actually it jumps right back, as we'll see in a minute, to Naomi and, and Ruth. It's almost like a subliminal message. It just pops in there and the author leaves it. Like, yeah, there's Ruth and there's Naomi and then there's Boaz. And then there's Ruth and there's Naomi. It's another one of those places where the author clearly wants us to, to have some foreshadowing, to, 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 to just put that in the back of your mind. There's this really important guy named Boaz. And the Hebrew reader, of course, would not have missed it. The author is saying... Uh, there is someone you need to know about. His name is Boaz. He's from the clan of Elimelech, and he's a worthy man. Now, this term, worthy man, it, it, it originates from uh, the idea of going off to war and, and proving yourself courageous, proving yourself valiant. But here, it's probably actually just, in time, it, it, it turned into more of just a, a person of status, a person of wealth, a person of uh, honor and respect. And that's probably uh, how it's used here with Boaz. And one last thing to mention in terms of, the, I, I believe, the brilliance of the author. When characters are introduced in Hebrew, in, in, uh, if you see most uh, in Scripture, any type of you know, uh, genealogy of sorts, the, the name is always first. Right? The name is first, and then, and then kind of the clan, the relative, and etc., but not here. You find out uh, the name, and then where he's from, right? I mean, uh, you find out the clan he's from, etc., and then and his name was Boaz, right? So, so the intrigue is, is stirred up. Uh, okay, so chapter 2. I mean, chapter 2, verse 2. And Ruth, the Moabite, said to Naomi, Let me go to the field and glean among the ears of grain after him, in whose sight I shall find favor. And he said to her, Go, my daughter. And so she set out and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the clan of Elimelech. And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem, and he said to the reapers, The Lord be with you. And they answered, The Lord bless you. And then Boaz said to the, his young man who was in charge of the reapers, Whose young woman is this? And the servant who was in charge of the reapers answered, She is the young Moabite woman who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. She said, Please let me glean and gather among the sheaves after the reapers. So she came, and she has continued from early morning until now, except for a short rest. So at this point, I want us to talk about the, the first attribute that we see of hesed. And, and this is one that we've kind of uh, talked about the whole time, but I want to make very clear. Uh, the first attribute that we see is the unrelenting commitment, the unrelenting commitment of hesed love. When hesed love is enacted, it's hard to stop. 
Okay, so we see Ruth here, tell Naomi, and the translation says, let me go, like she's asking permission, but a better way probably of understanding this is, is actually more of like blessing than permission, okay? Uh, Ruth has committed to Naomi, but she also realizes their situation. I need to act. We, we've got to eat. And so she tells Naomi, hey, I, I'm going to go and glean behind someone who will let me glean from the field. And Naomi says, well, okay, okay. She doesn't protest. She doesn't try to stop her. And part of it might be uh, she has seen Ruth's doggedness, right? Her, or when she sets her mind to something, she is committed to it. And just like when she told Naomi, she was coming to stay with her. And this, this isn't just a person being stubborn, okay? This is because of the hesed that she has for Naomi. And so Ruth sets out. Now they're in Bethlehem. And how this works, the, the, in this, there is the city, but then right outside of the city, there are these fields, and, and uh, they were kind of subdivided by people who could buy a portion of it to, to, to farm. Um, and... Uh, so, so that's kind of what's happening here. And, uh, oh, yes, okay, she sets out the glean. My apologies. So there's some uh, translation and language elements here, but what's most likely happening with Ruth um, is that she, she has not either found uh, a blessing from other fields or she just does happen upon, uh, she, is, she went first and foremost to Boaz's field. And we're not entirely sure, but what we, we do know, and, and I think are really important elements, about this situation. Again, this is the author's brilliance here. First in chapter 1, verse 22, and then here in verse 2 and verse 6. She's not just Ruth, okay? She's Ruth the Moabite. And this is important because the author wants to remind you that Ruth is a foreigner, okay? She is, she's not only a widow, she has no children, but she's a foreigner, which means she would have had potentially, uh, potentially would have been subject to extra ridicule and ostracism that comes from the people in the field and the, the workers there and, and working in the field. But that's the author's point, right? The author is contrasting the potential threat to Ruth with, with the unrelenting commitment of Ruth to Naomi. And so Ruth goes to the field, and, and wouldn't you know it, she just happened upon this guy, Boaz's field. Boaz, who is from the clan of Elimelech, right? Second time we've heard that, a relative. That's important. The author wants us to know. And the Hebrew actually says, she happened to happen upon, right? She, she happened to happen upon the field. It's written twice. And, and, and this is clearly meant to show the reader that although it seems like coincidence, what, what the author is trying to communicate is uh, it's, it's meant to actually point to the real uh, main true player of this story, and that is Yahweh. And it says, behold, Boaz came to the field, which again is, is kind of this Hebrew way of saying, and wouldn't you know it, Boaz showed up, right? She, you know, she happened to happen upon the field, and then wouldn't you know it, Boaz just appeared, right? How interesting, right while Ruth is there, and, and he greets everyone, right? And, and then he sees this Ruth, who's probably, I think, is just standing there with the foreman, and uh, he asks, who's, who's young woman? Is now, this could seem strange to us, except uh, if there's a woman, Boaz knows his workers, he hired them, and if there's this woman reaping, who he doesn't recognize, uh, you know, which is fine, but there must be a good reason for her being there. But it also probably meant that there's no one to take care of her, right? It's the, the term young woman is meant to convey a woman who is outside of the protection or outside of protection or is vulnerable. It can also mean a, a marriable woman, like a, a single woman who is without husband, without protection. Again, the author is building this. You want to see the, the, the uh, vulnerability of Ruth. And so the foreman proceeds to tell Boaz how this is the Moabite woman who came back with Naomi, right? Who, of course, actually Boaz knows Naomi, right? A relative. And lastly, I, I want to point out this other thing because it speaks to the relenting aspect of this hesed. She, it says she continued from early morning until now, except for a short rest. The phrase translated here, uh, except for a short rest, is, is it's a little bit obscure. The literal rendering is this, her dwelling, 
the house a little, which is strange to us. The, the New American Standard translates it, she's been sitting in the house for a little while, okay? I'm not trying to, you know, want to sound smarter than I am because I'm not, but the, uh, you know, the foreman is essentially saying, Ruth has been here all morning, so much so that she's made this her house, or, or the house that she came from hasn't meant much to her today. Okay, she, she's just been here, and she's waiting. In other words, this lady is not taking no for an answer. Okay, she's, she's trying to ask permission if she can glean, and she's not leaving until she gets an answer. And do we see the commitment here by Ruth? Her hesed love for Naomi, it's, it's committed. It's going to see it through to the end. She's willing and ready to do the work to provide for her mother-in-law. You see, hesed is committed. It, there's this unrelenting commitment. Once again, Ruth displays her commitment and her honor by putting in the time and the energy and the effort. And her determination has made the, the reapers aware of her. This foreigner, this person who has no identity amongst this crowd is known by Boaz's workers. All right, because Hesed love is committed and it doesn't really take no for an answer. And so what does this look like for us, right? For us and our unrelenting commitment. And of course, this, I think, depends totally on your context. Uh, but one area, I'll just speak for me, that this can be inactive and I know from others in the church, and a lot of the people in our age range or situation in life is, is parenting. It's parenting. And parenting is this very large and, and wonderful canvas upon which God gives people to display Hesed love, because let's admit it, kids are just the worst. No, I'm kidding. I'm just kidding. Kids are the best. Parents can sometimes be the worst, right? If you're a parent, you know, right? But, but you cannot... You cannot be motivated to teach your kids godly things or display godly characters solely based on their responses, okay? Either through their behavior or their words or their disobedience or even their obedience. Why? Because way more often than not, they're going to disobey or they're not going to do it correctly or answer the way we want them to. Kids struggle with desire and flesh and temptations just like we do. They don't necessarily have the maturity and the capacity or the knowledge to combat it like hopefully some of us adults do. It doesn't give them an excuse, but it should remind us that we're the same, but Lord willing, a little further down the road in our sanctification. So Hesed love for our kids is based on our commitment to God, not even to our children, which means that when they fail, and they will, we can be patient, be kind, we can have joy and peace and goodness and gentleness and self-control because it's not based on their good behavior or their good words. It's motivated by pleasing and glorifying God. It could be also, you know, for you, maybe it's a, a relationship with a friend, a co-worker, caring for an elderly or, or a sick relative, uh, or, or, or one who can't provide for themselves, much like our story or a spouse. Hesed love is committed love, and it's committed because of its devotion to Yahweh, because of his commitment to us. And guess what? His commitment to us never ceases. His steadfast love is from age to age. Can anything in all of creation separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus? No. And so we commit to Hesed because God has committed Hesed to us. And so living this way causes people to notice how we live, much like it did here in our story. Let's get back to it, Ruth uh, 2, verse 8. So then Boaz said to Ruth, Now listen, my daughter, do not go to glean in another field or leave this one, but keep close to my young women. Let your eyes be on the field that they are reaping and go after them. Have I not charged the young men not to touch you? And when you are thirsty, go to the vessels and drink what the young men have drawn. Then she fell on her face, bowing to the ground, and said to him, Why have I found favor in your eyes, that you should take notice of me, since I am a foreigner? But Boaz answered her, All that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has been fully told to me, and how you left your father and mother and your native land and came 
to a people that you did not know before. The Lord repay you for what you have done, and a full reward to be given you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Then she said, I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, for you have comforted me and spoken kindly to your servant, though I am not one of your servants. And at mealtime, Boaz said to her, Come here and eat some bread and dip your morsel in the wine. So she sat beside the reapers, and he passed to her roasted grain, and she ate until she was satisfied and had some left over. And when she rose to glean, Boaz instructed his young men, saying, Let her glean, even among the sheaves. Do not reproach her. And also pull out some uh, from the bundles for her and leave it for her to glean. Do not rebuke. This leads to our second attribute that I want to talk about this morning uh, revolving around Hesed love, and that is the generosity of Hesed. The generosity of Hesed love. Boaz is answering her question, do I find favor to glean in this field? And to be clear, real quick, when, when, when barley and wheat harvest came, basically how that worked is the men would come along and, and cut down the stalks, and then the women would come behind and, and bundle them and tie them together for future processing. The gleaning happened on the edges of the field where the poor could come, by law, could come and pick up the, the leftovers, what was dropped by the main crop. The poor were free to do this. Ruth didn't have to ask permission, but, but she was a foreigner, and she was honorable. And so Boaz tells Ruth to only glean in his field, to stay close to the women, because there she will be safe. And not only safe, it will give her, uh, he was giving her first access to, to gleaning, making her gleaning more successful. Stay close to the women. He's also clear about her safety. He is uh, to either told or is now officially telling the men in that moment that he's hired, do not touch this woman. She's going to glean, and if anyone touches her, she will have, they will have to deal with me. Okay, so he is setting up Ruth for some prime gleaning. And then he goes a step further and says, and when you're thirsty, come, come and drink. When, when you're thirsty from your hard work, come and drink uh, from the vessels that the men have drawn. He's giving her access to water, which will also make her uh, gleaning more productive. You see, Boaz is setting her up for success. He is showing her favor. And this stirs Ruth. She's overwhelmed with gratitude. She falls on her face, which is really one of the first sets of emotions that we see from Ruth since they were crying, coming back uh, when, when, when Naomi said, you know, you guys go back to your house. Since then, she's very stoic, but she's wondering why Boaz would do this for her, especially in light of her being a foreigner. The language is you're saying, what she's saying is, you're treating me like you know me, but I'm a foreigner. You have noticed the unnoticed. Boaz is clear. I know all what you've done for Naomi, and, and listen to this, since the death of your husband. Not since the death of Naomi's husband, but since the death of Ruth's husband. You know, you have lost two, and yet you stayed with her and helped her through the death of Elimelech and your own husband, and you're still with her. And then you, you left the safety of your father and mother, which is actually the same expression used in Genesis 2.24 when it says that a man shall leave his father and mother. Clearly, Boaz is implying that you've given up the provision of a potential new marriage of a new husband to care for Naomi. Along with that, you've left your land where your people are uh, to come and dwell amongst a people that you don't know, all for Naomi. See, Boaz is attempting in some way to, to match the generosity, to match this, this hesed that Ruth has shown to Naomi by blessing Ruth. Because hesed devotion is generous with whatever it has to give. Right? For Ruth, it was her time, her energy, her effort, her life. It wasn't financial resources. For Boaz, it was financial. He was a, an honorable, a wealthy man. He, the opportunity for Ruth, the provision for Ruth, the care for Ruth, the safety for Ruth, uh, to help her devotion be successful. And then Boaz says, The Lord repay you for what you've done, and a full reward be given to you by the Lord, the God of Israel, whose wings you have come to take refuge. A few things here. This really 
it's, it's an amazing thing that Boaz says because the first part of what he implies is that I've only tried to reciprocate what you've done. But God will, will need to do more if, than anything else. He, he will need to do more. Okay? And secondly, he says, a full reward given you by the Lord. The word full is the same root uh, lettering of the word shalom, that, that, that wholeness, that fullness, a fullness of reward given to you, complete. So Boaz is saying, let God give you all you had before and even more than that. And that's something that I can't give you. Only God can give it to you. He's also working with this principle uh, of Yahweh's from the law where he actually does repay people according to their works, right? And this is found all through the scripture, but usually we only think about it when it's considered in thinking about being repaid for the evil that we've done, right? We think about it as when, when God repays us for the bad things we've done or not the good works we've done, but we don't often think about it as the blessing that comes, you know, that's when he sets, you know, the, 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 the blessings and the curses. You, half of you go over on, on, on this mountain, half of you go on this mountain, and, you know, you recite the blessings, you recite the curses, okay? It's this principle that, that God does reward us for the works we've done. This is going all the way back to the Mosaic Covenant. It's clear that if the people of God obey the commands of God, God will bless them. And if they disobey, they will be cursed. And so Boaz is saying, you've obeyed God, and you've earned a reward that only Yahweh can give by showing hesed to Naomi. So I pray God delivers on this promise to reward you for your deeds. He's telling Ruth what it's like to be under the care of Yahweh, who she has committed to take refuge under because she is committed to Naomi. Boaz is saying, I know you feel like a foreigner and an outsider and a stranger, but Yahweh, the God of this land, that God who we worship and who we've come to take refuge in, uh, and who now you've come to take refuge in, we, because you've committed to Naomi, he will show you Hesed, and even to a greater degree than I could because of all that you've done for Naomi. And then we get a, a, a you know, we, we come to understand that Yahweh is much more generous, much more generous with his Hesed than we are. And then we get another glimpse into Ruth, she, who has been so stoic, and she tells Boaz, who has comforted her, the actual wording is, you have allayed my fears. You've shown me I don't have to be afraid of what reception awaits this, this foreigner because of his kindness and the way he's... Friends, she's not a robot, okay? She's a real person experiencing uh, real hardships and real emotions, doing real work, and the hesed, the loving, compassionate kindness that Boaz gives her through word and through deed, it brings comfort, and, and it should, Okay, Hesed should be comforting to people when we show it, when we're committed and generous and loving people. It should be comforting to people. And so then uh, I'm going to kind of work quickly through this. Boaz continues in his generosity, right? At lunchtime, he says, come here, have, have food with us. And he, and he gives Naomi food and says, dip your morsel in this wine. And, you know, and she eats until she's satisfied and then has extra, right? And then, and then he keeps going. When Ruth probably gets up to go back to work, uh, he tells his men, you know, probably on the sly a little bit, right? Hey, let her glean from the sheaves uh, and, and don't stop her. In fact, pull some out. Just throw it on the ground and just leave it for her. You know, at this point, Ruth <laughs> barely has to work hard to find the barley. She just walks and picks it up. Boaz is showing Ruth hesed through generous means because hesed is generous with the means that it has. And I want us to see over and over again that hesed, it requires humility. Okay, it requires humility, being committed, being generous. These only emerge when there's a built-in humility that says, life's not about me, it's about God and loving Him through loving others. Okay, and then we realize our means aren't really ours at all, and so we can give them away. Right? It's, it's, it's really, truly our only shot at Hesed love. Okay? Uh, it's the death that I talked about we're, we're so allergic to. Right? It's, it's mildly terrifying to go down this path, 
But when we recognize that our life and our means aren't really ours, that's a type of death, right? We're, 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 we're dying to those things. But when we're free of that and we're able to see what God has given and go, man, I, I'm happy to give it away. He gave it to me. I can give it to, to him. Why? Because it's not mine. Oh, and by the way, since God gave it to me the first time, he can give me more. He can give me whatever I need to bless me and others, right? Generosity then becomes pleasurable. It becomes a joy. We don't have to hold on to it with such tight fists, right? And I, I really, uh, I can really enjoy giving Hesed love because I'm giving away things that aren't even really mine. My money, my home, my time, my, my food. Let me give it away. It's better to give than to receive. I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. The life I now live, I live by faith, right? I, I, I'm actually trying to live how Christ lived. And when he loved, he was reviled. But, but, but what a gift to be able to participate in the sufferings of Christ. Amen? And, and when we say amen, do we really mean it? I mean, for me, I, I, I'm like typing and I'm like, man, that's hard. That's hard. I, I, it takes real courage and humility to live this way, to give this, to be generous to this degree, right? Maybe, maybe it's financial. Maybe it's with your patience. Maybe it's with your, your, your joy. Like, man, I've only got this much joy today. If you take this from me, I'm going to be really irritated, right? Like, I mean, I, it's not just like money and food. It's like everything Like God gives and he blesses us. And then we're able to give it away. And that's, it takes courage to trust that if I give this away, God is still going to provide for me. He's still going to give me what I need. It's hard. But like Ruth and Boaz, God blesses Hesed. He rewards when, he, when we display Hesed love. He is generous to us. In fact, Psalm 103, uh, pr- totally providential. I didn't tell Tyler to read this. I put this in my notes this morning. But Psalm 103 says, God crowns us with steadfast love. The word is Hesed. He crowns us with Hesed. How amazing is that? And so then we can be generous to give it away to others. Finish up. Verse 17. So she gleaned in the field until evening. Then she beat out what she had gleaned, and it was about an ephah of barley. And she took it up and went into the city. Her mother-in-law saw what she had gleaned, and she also brought out and and gave her what food she had had left over after being satisfied. And her mother-in-law said to her, Where did you glean today? Where have you worked? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. She told her mother-in-law with whom she had worked and said, The man's name with whom I worked was uh, Boaz. And Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, May he be blessed by the Lord whose kindness has not forsaken the living or the dead. Naomi also said to her, The man is a close relative of ours, one of our redeemers. And Ruth the Moabite said, Besides, he said to me, You shall keep close by my young men until they have finished all my harvest. And Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, It is good, my daughter, that you go out to his, with his young women, lest in another field you be assaulted. So she kept close to the young woman, women of Boaz, gleaning until the end of the barley and wheat harvests, and she lived with her mother-in-law. Ruth finishes out her day gleaning until evening, and then she beat uh, what she had gleaned with a stick, which separates the, the, the kernels from the husk. The husk weren't really used, and so they, they would beat it, and it would be uh, easier for them to carry, right? Just the, the barley kernels. And after beating, what she, she, after beating her, her gleaning, she had an ephah of barley, which is about 22 liters, roughly 30 pounds of barley, which may not seem like that much uh, to us, but, but male workers, uh, a ration for a day rarely exceeded one or two pounds. Okay, so, so in other words, in one day, Ruth had gleaned, she had gleaned a half a month's wages of food to eat. The author is seeking to communicate the great generosity of Boaz through 
Hesed love, which leads to our final attribute of Hesed love, which is the hope of Hesed, the hope of love. When Ruth comes home from Na- uh, home, Naomi is justifiably shocked. Right? She's got food to eat from lunch and a 30 pounds of barley. So Naomi, of course, asks, where did you work? Whose field did you glean from? Blessed be that guy. And here comes the big reveal. Two, one, all the way now. Uh, the man whose uh, field I worked in today was a guy named Boaz. In that moment, something happens to Naomi. Remember her bitterness towards the Lord in chapter one. Here she says, may he, may Boaz, be blessed by the Lord. Why? The Lord whose kindness has not forsaken the living of the dead. Not Boaz's kindness, the Lord's kindness. Naomi just said, the hesed of the Lord has not forsaken us. The kindness that Boaz showed to Ruth gave Naomi hope because it helped her remember that the Lord is not against her. The Lord is, is the one showing hesed. The Lord is the one who is faithful. The Lord is the one who actually will provide. You see, when we show hesed, this committed, this stubborn, this generous, compassionate love and kindness to people, it can stir in them and remind them of God, Yahweh's kindness. It's, it's literally being the, the hands and feet of Christ. It can break through the bitterness. Friends, when people are bitter or sad or depressed or afraid, there are few things that can help their heart. When we counsel people, we, we're always trying to help them find hope, the, the hope that comes from, from the committed, passionate, covenantal love of Christ and allow that to help transform their thinking and their hearts. All of a sudden, Naomi here starts having ideas and her mind starts moving again and she's, she's stirred. She remembers Boaz as a close relative, even a redeemer. And the author just throws that in there, but it's obviously some foreshadowing. And then Ruth, by way, notice the reference, back to Ruth the Moabite. This is clearly meant to remind you of her vulnerability. That is, and this is, this is I think, so genius. She's vulnerable, vulnerable again because she's away from Boaz. When she was with Boaz, Boaz only referred to her as her, or it was Ruth, no Ruth the Moabite. Now she's back to being Ruth the Moabite. And we see this, especially in light of her next statement, where she tells Naomi, yeah, Boaz said to keep close to his men and field through the season. And Naomi, of course, is grateful, agrees. There's guaranteed safety, no fear of assault or danger by staying with this Redeemer. Kindness, what generosity. And we close, and the author is telling us that Ruth gleaned until the end of the barley and wheat, and these are basically uh, consecutive picking. She did this. Who knows how much barley she had by the end of it. They're not worried about food anymore. And again, we're, we're only given glimpses and foreshadowing, but much like I said uh, last week, right, the, the bitterness wasn't going to resolve overnight, right? You know, we're leaving with another little glimmer, another step in the right direction. There are obviously multiple storylines here, but when Elimelech died in chapter one, the story shifted from one about a man uh, and his family to, to one about uh, this woman, Naomi. And Naomi went through some hard things. Some some self-imposed, but many not. But when she ended, uh, she, the, the story ended in chapter 1, it, she had this real deep spirit of bitterness. The author is showing us, and God is showing us through his word, that Hesed changes. Hesed changes. When we love people with the covenantal, committed, stubborn, unceasing love, like God does, it changes things. When we commit to Hesed, like Ruth did to Naomi, when we display this great generosity of Hesed, our life is not ours. Right? Our stuff is not our stuff. Our time, our energy, our resources. When we realize that that is not ours, but it's God's, that he has given to us, we're free to be generous and to give it away. And when we love like this, we enter into people's lives. And when we commit to doing this, it brings the hope of the gospel into people's lives. It brings the hope of blessing and, and transformation into people. It helps people see the tangible hands and feet of the living God. And, and when we do this, 
it changes. And so as we move into the Lord's Supper this morning, I want us to focus in and, and be reminded of, of the greatest display of Hesed in love, Hesed love in human history, right? And that's the death of Christ on the cross. Jesus prayed in the garden, if there's any other way, Lord, if there's any other way, let this cup pass from me. But there was no other way. There was no other way. We are sinners, separated from God, spiritually dead in our trespasses, in need of forgiveness, in need of redemption, in need of atonement. And the only way is through the Hesed love of Christ, which sent him to the cross. You see, in the cross, we see, we see the commitment of Hesed, right? We see the generosity of Hesed. Christ gave his whole life away, and we see the hope of Hesed. We don't have to be without hope in this world because Christ has overcome this world. Jesus died and rose from the grave, conquering death so that we could be with him forever. And so I'm going to pray, and our servers are going to pass out the, the elements. If you believe this, if you have committed to this, if you have given your allegiance to Christ, then please partake with it. If you have not, this meal is not for you, right? It's not for you because it, it, it doesn't have the same meaning. It doesn't have the same effect. It, you're not committed to what this meal represents, and that's okay. But take this time to consider that. Consider, hey, if this is true, what, what changes? What is different in my life if this is real? What needs to change in my life? What would be different if I committed to it? Obviously, if you want to talk with someone, talk to me, talk to someone around you. But friends, in the cross of Christ, we see the great commitment, this unrelenting, unstopping commitment of Christ's love for us, his great generosity, literally giving his, and then the hope that the gospel brings by rising from the grave and conquering death so that we can be with him. Ephesians 2 tells us that, that uh, God, being rich in mercy, the great love with which he loved us, uh, made us alive together with Christ, and, and seated us in the heavenly places. Why? So that for all eternity, he can show the goodness to us, his love for us in Christ Jesus. Right? For all eternity, he gets, he's going to show us how much he loves us in Christ. That's astounding from age to crowning us with. So let me pray, and then we'll together. Lord, thank you for this time. Thank you for your love for us. Thank you for your great Hesed love that you have displayed to us and continue to display and, and continue in your faithfulness to us, and that you don't respond to us based on how we respond to you. When, when we sin, you draw near to us. You are, Christ is our advocate. Lord, when we uh, sin, you are loving and kind and faithful to, to discipline us, to bring us to repentance, to uh, mature us, to sanctify us, having justified us through the, the life and death of Christ and the resurrection. And so, God, as we turn to the Lord's Supper this morning, I just pray that you would help us to be reminded of this, the, the joy that it brings, the hope that we have. You know, there are some days that seem very hopeless, whether it's through our culture, whether it's through our family, whether it's through our bank accounts, whatever it may be, Lord, but we never need to be without hope because of Christ. And so, Lord, we long for the day that you return for us and take us home. But until that day, Lord, we, we, we trust you, we love you, and, and, and we celebrate this meal together. And Lord, I just ask that you would help us to be reminded of that. Amen. Uh, the, you guys go ahead and hand it out and we'll hold it together and then I'll come back up and we'll take it.